Hi, this is Brendan DePremit, Web3's Allowless platform, and Vulcan, the best way to manage your Discord community. I'm here on the Edge of NFT, a great podcast loved by so many smart people like you. Stay tuned. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how Premint empowers NFT artists to curate a list of real collectors, ensuring authenticity and trust, and how Vulcan, the ultimate safe haven for token gating your Discord community, is growing and changing to be so much more. Finally, hear how our guest's patient stands up to minutes, hours, years, or even decades of abuse. All this and more on today's episode. And before we go, don't forget that our Outer Edge LA event recently returned to Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. You can now catch up on all the discussions, presentations, and more by heading over to watch.outeredge.live and registering with just your email address. Then you'll have access to over 60 captivating conversations and performances. Binge watchers are welcome. See you inside. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. On today's episode, we're happy to introduce our guest, Brendan Mulligan, the CEO of Premint, a platform dedicated to the Web3 community for all their NFT needs. It's a welcoming space for everyone from blockchain beginners to crypto experts. To give you a bit of background, Brendan is the driving force behind not only Premint, a platform trusted by over 4 million wallets, but also Vulcan, the safe haven for token gating your Discord community. Prior to Premint, he has led teams of talented product managers, designers, and engineers to create scalable consumer and enterprise products at startups and companies like Google. And about Premint, it's not just us who love it. It's being used by the world's top NFT artists, communities, brands, and even celebrities for their high-profile NFT projects. Premint is all about creating a fair playground. You get to decide who joins your list, making sure it's filled with real collectors, not bots. It's this level of care and commitment that makes it a favorite. Brendan, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's an honor, man. Thanks for coming by Outer Edge too. Glad that you can make the trip up up north from your home base for that. It was great. Thank you for having me there. Yeah, well, it's an honor. I've been following Premint and participated in the the initial Mint launch of Premint. I'm still a holder for full disclosure for our audience. And really it's because I saw something special there that hadn't happened before. At that moment, our industry was pretty fragmented when it came to minting solutions. And there were a lot of scams and challenges with the process. And you really made it easier for folks. And I've seen this like perpetual motion to make things easier for more people that you've really embraced. So thank you for what you're doing for our industry. And I would love to sort of understand more of the story behind the inception and kind of give us a little bit of insight into what Premint is all about. Sure. Yeah. So I've spent my career building tools for creators. And the theme that I keep coming back to is I generally get really interested in the community. I really want to see the creators have more time to spend creating and less time managing a business. And what I was starting to see pretty early on with NFTs was creators would launch their projects. And for a while, no one cared, right? When no one cared about NFTs. But then as NFTs got hotter, when they launched the project, generally what would happen is it would get minted out incredibly quickly 
collectors and real people who wanted to collect generally walked away from the process having spent a ton of gas and not having gotten anything in return. But on secondary, on OpenSea, immediately everything was on sale. And so you could see that the people who were actually being able to buy the NFTs were the bots, not actually the collectors. And so I saw artists bothered by this and starting to build like do homegrown solutions. And so they started creating Google Forms and they would ask people to give them their wallet address ahead of time. They'd create type forms or whatever. They would try to say, DM me your wallet address. It was just kind of like not user-friendly and just kind of overall bad. And so really it was one morning working with a single artist named Pindar Van Arman, who's the godfather of BitGans and just incredible AI artist. I kind of went to him and I said, if I built you a page where someone could just come on, connect a wallet, connect to Twitter and connect to Discord, would that, would you use it? Because what he was doing was using a Google form where you entered your wallet address and then you typed in your Twitter or Discord name. And so what he would have to do afterwards is then go and double check to make sure these people existed, to make sure the wallet had a real name. It was a ton of extra work. So that's what Premium was at the beginning. It was a single page with three buttons. The only rule it had was you couldn't connect your Twitter account to more than one wallet. So if you wanted to like submit 100 wallets to an allow list, to get on an allow list, you had to create 100 Twitter accounts and you had to create 100 Discord accounts. Now, today, that's not that hard because there's farms and stuff and people kind of know the process for this. But at the beginning, that was enough to basically dissuade most bots. And the other thing we did was we would privatize and hash an IP address, but we would track IP addresses. So if like the same computer signed up a bunch of times, the person, the creator could know that immediately and disqualify that person. And so... Pretty simple solution. Like it was a very web two solution, to be honest, for the problem. It did have wallet connection, but the rest of it was off chain. But it was enough to sort of get the creator the tools they needed to be able to get a list of wallets that then they could add to an allow list for their mint. And so that was really the inception. It was working. It was like being in a Discord channel with about 15 artists that were all telling me their problems, working with one of them to solve their problem and letting them use it and tell me how it's working for them. And so that's how it started. That was last October of 2021. Yeah, that's so cool. I remember that. We started a podcast in March of 2021, and like we were facing these challenges and talking about them on the show, and then Premint came along. And so it was a really interesting time. And what I find interesting about you from my Twitter stalking is how like intense you've been around an open customer discovery process since then, right? At that moment, it was like 15 artists. Now you've got millions of users and all sorts of feedback coming in that sort of you have to ingest and integrate, but yet you're still having an open dialogue with the community about that. I'm just curious what that process has been and and how you sort of came up with this approach. I'm a lean startup guy and back in the day and Is there some lean startup in your blood? Is that really the genesis of all this? Yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, like I was interested in building for Web3 and building for creators. And so I built Premint in addition to two or three other things. I had like a Salesbot product for a while. And I was building this sort of member dashboard where you could see all of your holders when they bought, what they own. I mean, this kind of, this exists in a bunch of places now. The idea was it would be like a place that you would direct your holders to go to sign up and they'd actually provide additional information. They'd tell you who they were on Twitter. They basically fill out a profile and kind of you can build a community there. So I was building a bunch of stuff at the same time. And I didn't think any one of them was better than the other one. I just thought they were all going to be useful. And I sort of let the community point me in the right direction of what to spend more time on. And so Premint, when it was launched, it again, it was one artist. And for the most part, I would say for the first like two or three months, a dozen users, maybe. Users meaning artists. Like they had plenty of people coming in and signing up, but there wasn't like a huge awareness of it. But every user I got would kind of say like, oh, it'd be really cool. I mean, this sounds really dumb now because I feel like allow list based products are all kind of very similar. 
right now. But when we built Premit, there was no other one to look at. And so originally it was connect your Twitter. And then I don't remember what artist, but some artist was like, hey, it'd be cool if they could follow me. I was like, oh yeah, we could make it. So not only do they connect their Twitter, but they also have to be following you. And then another one would be like, well, I'd like them to join my Discord also. Okay, we'll make them join your Discord. Hey, it'd be cool if not only they were in the Discord, but they had a role. And so like, these were literally like, it wasn't like I came to the space and I was like, I know the answers. It was just like, put it out there. Artists would recommend what they wanted to make it more gated to them. When we did a partnership or a launch with Gary V, they have like 300,000 people in their Discord. And he was like, it's really important to me that when I launch this allow list that people can't sign up and then get on the allow list, sign up for my Discord. He's like, I want to reward my existing community. And so for that launch, we added a feature that you could set a date where like when someone tried to register, they had to have been in the Discord prior to a certain date, right? That was like working with one community on what a solution to their problem is going to be. And so Premint today is the result of a hundred conversations to build a hundred little features to shape it into what we think is a pretty good solution right now. And so, yeah, the only way to do that is to kind of open yourself up to feedback and kind of build in public. And we've definitely had missteps where we've released stuff that people didn't think was useful or, or it was one artist that demanded it or really wanted it. And we released it and realized they were so unique that it actually made the product more confusing to a lot of other people. So there's a balance there. But yeah, I think that building in public, and we did this, incidentally, I did the same thing with the other products I was working on, and they got no feedback because they weren't very good. I mean, they were okay, but they didn't right. solve a big enough pain point where people were like, oh my God, please add this. They were like, yeah, yeah it's cool. It's sales bot, whatever. And so it just made it really easy. It's almost easier when you have 12 users, right? Because like you said, once you get to that level of 100 or 1,000 and you have all these feature requests and then you go down that rabbit hole of that one that didn't matter to anybody and waste all your time. Yeah, <laughs> It's actually nice to start small like that. Well, it's also funny. I mean, the mint that you were talking about earlier was collector pass mint. And so pre-mint evolved as a creator tool. You collected names. They were in your dashboard. You exported the CSV of the names. You get, put them in Manifold or you put them wherever you're going to mint. And that was your allow list. As a collector, you came to a page and you clicked a button and you were told you were registered. And for the, I mean, for like six months or eight months, there was no next button. There was no like, check out the other list to join or see all your registrations. There's literally zero experience for the end user. And I always, I think probably that's what YouTube was like for the first X amount of months or years, where it's like, you just went to the video page, you watched the video, and then you closed the window. And then they were like, oh, we should probably get people to keep watching videos or create their own account or be able to see what they've watched before. And so even that whole, like that entire side of the market, I mean, if you look at it at a marketplace, like we weren't even serving the collector for like the first eight months until the collectors all started saying, hey, it'd be really nice to be able to see what I've registered for. I just forget. I don't remember what I registered for. I'm registering for premiums all the time. I'm thinking like, yeah, we should probably tell people that. And like, it'd be nice to get an email notification that the mint is today that I won a spot on. That would be nice. Or it'd be nice to be able to browse all the projects, looking at categories. It'd be nice to be able to, all that stuff, basically listening to that. And that was when we had hundreds of thousands of users, but hearing the volume of requests, that's what led us to build the collector side of things and launch the collector pass. Yeah. We got to dive into not only the sort of foundation of the idea, but really the details of kind of how the artists can kind of exclusively identify the people that want to be on their lists. Is there any details about that that we kind of missed or we cover the main idea around how the artists can decide on those type of things? Well, I mean, so it's interesting is the market at the time of recording, we're in a fairly deep bear market. And so as the market changes, sort of the utility or why you're using premium changes. So at the beginning, it was all about filtering. It was like every you could release anything and everyone wanted to buy it. So premium was more about, let me like, I have 100,000 people who want to buy my NFT. I'm only releasing 10,000. 
how do you get from 100,000 to 10,000? Well, you do it with, in order to be on the list, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You have to follow me on Twitter or whatever the artist and the creator wanted to do. So they could design it however they want. Okay, well, how am I going to get from a smaller subset? Well, maybe I want to do partnerships with communities and make sure that like, I want people who have a Moonbird or a CryptoPunk or a Doodle to be able to get to buy this. So I want to set aside 300 spots for those people. And that whole concept of like, collabs and doing joint partnerships with different communities kind of came out of the list being harder to manage. So we built a whole part of the product that was all around set aside spots for X, these different communities. So you can have a one premium list with a sub list for different communities. And so it was really like, how do we give the artist tools to be able to do the filtering however they want to filter? Now, when you flip to the time where not as many people are interested in buying NFTs or gas is high, so it's harder to get someone to buy an NFT or it's a bear market and the liquidity is gone, whatever... Now, a lot of artists are using it to, how do I get eyeballs on my project? Before, it was like, how do I get people away? How do I limit the amount of people who can buy? Now, it's like, how do I raise awareness? How do I do my marketing? And so the same set of tools used differently are really useful for that, right? So if you're launching a new thing, it's like, I kind of need Twitter followers. So maybe I'll do a free mint. But in order to get the free mint, you have to follow me on Twitter. Or I really want to get other communities involved. And maybe by giving them some spots, that'll make them more willing to share my project with their community. So it's kind of a people are using the tools, same tools, totally differently. Yeah. Well, you have this unique vantage point on what's really happening in the industry, like behind the scenes. I always hear there's only X many active wallets in the space or X many collectors. And there's probably no one in the space that, that actually knows the real truth here more than you. So I, I got to ask you, where are we today in terms of the level of activity of the NFT space? A better data scientist than I could probably look at our data and give really nice projections and estimates on numbers. All I can tell you is that it is quieter than it was before, significantly quieter. And it's obvious that most people have a lot of liquidity and volume has moved over to airdrop farming on Blur and meme coins right now. And so there's just not a lot of people out there. And you see this just in like the numbers of the volume on Blur and on OpenSea and everything. So how does that translate into the premium world? Well, if there's less people out there willing to buy secondary, there's probably less people interested in buying primary because there's a large group of people who were buying NFTs, not for the art or the community, they were buying it to flip and to trade. And so our industry always had this like, there was collectors and they hated flippers, but we kind of needed the flippers to get the volume. And it was a weird relationship, right? Like every time I would coach a project on on a launch and I'd be like, well, here's how we debot. Here's how we make sure the only people are going to buy are the collectors. There was always this like, well, we kind of need some secondary volume because if there's no secondary volume, no people will think that the project isn't desirable. So there is this weird balance. And so now that that whole like flipper side is gone, it's harder to launch a new project. Right. And I think the best use case for Premint was I'm launching a new collection of thousands of NFTs. So without that, we see a lot less people just doing allow lists in general for brand new projects. And so it's an obvious answer, but like definitely volumes are down. What's great for me is scams are way down. Like our life was hell for a few months because all we did was just try to prevent abuse in general in Web3, but on the platform also. How do you stop someone from pretending they're going to launch a project, collecting names, getting someone to go to a website and then draining their wallet when we're not the minting platform? We can't tell you if that wallet's going to be a wallet drainer or the contract's going to be a wallet drainer or not. So we spent a lot of time building anti-scam, anti-fraud, bot technology, all that stuff. And now that we don't need that right now because the financial incentive to bot and scam is gone down. And so those people are moved on to do something else. So that's one of the things for us right now that's great. 
So we see like a lower amount of volume, but the projects that we do see are like really artists that are excited to launch their collection. It's meaningful work for them. Collectors generally are really excited to collect. And so, yeah, yeah, we've seen that too, just in general, in all our activities in space that slower times are where the dedicated builders come to the forefront. And in some sense to the outer public, it looks like nothing's going on when it's almost like that's when everything of legitimacy <laughs> that's worth paying attention to is going on. Yeah, you can't really tell the future and to know what's going to happen in 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Like, how, will there be another boom? What will it look like? I don't even try to pretend like I know. I do know that in every boom, everyone looks back at the bear and says, God, I wish I would have bought a Fidenza when they came out or a Squiggle when they were, or a CryptoPunk when it was 300 bucks, right? It's like when things are amazing, you always regret not paying attention at this exact time. Yeah, yeah. It's when it's like most bloody and most hard to like make the effort that you get the biggest reward, right? Yeah. And a lot of the people that got the biggest reward, I mean, when bull market comes in and everything's crazy expensive, they like to talk like they're geniuses. But in reality, most of them didn't buy five Fidenzas because they were like, this is going to be worth 100 ETH one day. They bought them maybe because they just liked them or maybe they were like, oh, I'll buy five. I don't know. But what is this thing, right? It's only an ETH, whatever. An ETH is cheap. ETH is 100 bucks. It's not even like the geniuses are doing it right now. It's just like typically people who are active right now end up being rewarded later, assuming there is another time where everything comes back, right? So yeah. So it'd be great to kind of shift over and talk about Vulcan and Premint and how that collaboration came together and why. And can you tell us about that, how that all came together? Yeah. So this is about a year ago, a little under a year ago. Like I said, our focus a lot has been, and you've kind of mentioned, we've sort of been able to usher people into Web3 who aren't necessarily native to it. So Premint is a product that kind of looks like a Web2 product. It's easy to use. Like it doesn't require you to mint anything. You don't have to load it with ETH. You do have to have a wallet but you can just download MetaMask and immediately have a wallet. So what we saw is we have an opportunity to just like, we care a little bit more about helping make sure it's a secure space. And we did this with Premint in general with making sure the Premint all around Premint was more secure. And we've done all kinds of crazy cool security stuff on Premint to make it easier and more secure. But when we did this analysis of like, where are the scams? Every scam ended up with the same exact moment, which is someone connects their wallet where they shouldn't. And I feel like back then I was just like, it's just, there's too many people asking you to connect a wallet right now. It's really unclear as to what's going to happen. And so even though I think it's decentralized and all that, I sort of went with a Web2 approach where it's like, let's just limit the amount of times you need to connect a wallet or new sites you need to connect a wallet to. Just as a primitive belief, like on Premint, you connect your wallet the first time because we have to verify who you are. But after that, you can just sign on with Twitter. You don't have to connect your wallet ever again once you've done it once. And so to try to like help people not have to do wallet connection at every turn. And so Discord, obviously, was a huge place where all the Web3 people were going. And then there was a bot that was sending them to some site to connect a wallet. When the norm for an industry is go to Discord and then click a link to leave Discord to go to a site that you might have never heard of and connect a wallet, it just feels like we're just training people to be abused. Because obviously, there's a million ways that phishing scams and stuff. If the behavior is go to Discord, leave Discord, connect your wallet, and that's just what we're all doing all day, every day. I feel like it's probably not going to be a good outcome. There's no, there's going to be no way to protect. So we started looking at what we could do with Premint to help with that. Then we saw a really innovative solution in Vulcan, which was similar to Premint, was built by single founder, rapid iteration. Started his first server, I think, that ever had Vulcan was Xcopy. So like working with like real artists to make sure that they're solving real problems. And it was really nice. All they did was something slightly different, which was instead of connecting your wallet to Vulcan, they asked you to go update your OpenSea bio. 
Because the assumption is everyone's up logging into OpenSea. OpenSea is a safe site. So in Vulkan, it would say, go to OpenSea and type in this set of characters in your bio. When you do that, come back and hit a button and we'll verify. The only person who could have done that was someone with connection to the wallet. And so that's their way of verifying that you own the wallet. I thought it was awesome. And it was like starting to be very, very popular with the most highly sort of hackable and high asset servers. So you saw at the time the proof collective token was like 100 ETH and you saw all these servers that were like the assets were really valuable moving to Vulkan from other solutions. And so the founder had actually written me months prior and I hadn't even gotten the message. And he was like, hey, Vulkan's going really well. I'm not necessarily someone who's like knows how to start a business around this, but I know that I'm solving a real problem. Would you be interested in working together? So when I reached out to him, he was like, oh, I already emailed you. And it was just like this immediate chemistry between the two of us. And so we dug into it. And so last July, Premint acquired Vulcan. Adam, the founder, is on the team and still the, still running Vulcan. He's also one of the best NFT collectors in the space, in my opinion. But he's also still one of the main XCopy mods. So like talk about user feedback, right? He's like in, he's modding one of the best servers, most high profile servers out there while we're building all these tools. But what we looked at with Vulcan and Premint that we thought was even like, how can we take Vulcan and make it even better? Well, what we can do, since Premint had at the time like a million Discord accounts that had signed in to Premint and connected a wallet, we were like, we can make this pretty amazing. You can go into the ser XCopy server, you can hit verify. We're in the old, in the pre-Premint days, it would say go to OpenSea. We can actually just send the Discord ID to Premint, see if we know what the wallet is figure out the wallets that Discord ID is connected to, and then look at the wallets to see if the XCopy stuff is in there and then assign roles. So if you've ever been in a Vulcan server, it's like, once we put this in place, it was so good that we had to slow the process down artificially so you knew what was happening because it happens so quickly. But because people who trust Premint and have signed into Premint, we can basically make it possible for you to verify your holdings without even leaving Discord, without clicking a link, without connecting a wallet, without anything, because we already have the data. And so it was like one of those cliche, but it was like a one plus one equals three type scenario where we were like, on the day that we announced this acquisition, we can make the entire Web3 community safer. And the, the servers don't even need to do anything. It'll just be how it works now. So that was like the initial, like, no matter if we never add another feature to this, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so much better. It was already better, miles better than what else was out there. And it'll be miles better than that. So very cool. Yeah, yeah. that's where we started. And are there any other features of Vulcan today that you just wanted to call out briefly? Yeah, I mean, so what we've done with Vulcan, so that we did that, we let that just sort of be the improvement for the rest of the year. Starting at the beginning of this year, the entire Premint engineering team, all of my time spent with Adam on rebuilding Vulcan to be way more scalable. Like I built Premint, it scaled way beyond what I thought it was going to be. I hired someone to come in and help me make it, be able to handle the immense load and traffic and user base and everything that we had. So we kind of had to do the same thing to Vulkan. And so we rebuilt Vulkan from the ground up and we've slowly, and basically we built a framework that we can build a lot on top of. Sort of the next step in making Web3 safer, outside of just verification, is all these Web3 servers install a bunch of bots. And the more bots you have, the more like attack vectors you have in your server. So if you're installing a bot to check floor prices, a bot to do tweets, a bot to do support tickets, a bot to do verification, Right there, there's four bots that could all be hacked. And once someone gets in, then they can do whatever they want to your server. And so one of the, we all met last fall and we said, okay, well, how can we keep Web3 safe? We can just provide more services that everyone, some of the basic stuff that people need. So over the past few weeks, we've rolled out an art bot 
that's modeled after the Xcopy art bot that lets you define collections your community can using slash commands can sort of randomly post art into the community to keep the conversation going. The community can check the floor prices for certain collections in your servers by using a floor bot that we were introduced. We just last week introduced a premint bots. And if you're in a Vulkan server that allows slash commands, you can do slash premint and it'll pull in your premint account information and show you what you've registered for, what your upcoming mints are, all that stuff you used to have to go to premint to read about. You can just do right in Discord now. The server can post premint registrations into the server that no one has to leave Discord to register for. So you just see like, here's the project, there's a register button, you hit register, it does all the stuff that it needs to do and tells you if you're registered or not. And so we've added all that functionality. So that's one side of just like replace bots. The other big like sort of tentpole goal that we had was how do we help a community, especially now in a time in a bear market, how do we help communities, managers manage their communities better? All they know is people got a role. And so we're rolling out a dashboard, which will show you everyone in your Discord and why they're there. Meaning like, hey, Brendan's there because he owned a guzzler. That's why he has this role. And so it'll allow the community managers, someone's being disruptive. They can kind of be like, who is this person? When did they join? Like, this is all stuff that they never got to see before. And so starting to open up like, hey, this person came in and they connected their wallet. They got this role and here's who they are and why they're there. And top of that, we added a whole support ticket tool. So people can come in and ask questions. And it's just like, it's all embedded in Discord. It creates sub-threads in a, in a support ticket channel. And people can ask questions. And you can prompt the person. So you can say like, oh, what do you want to ask a question about? Do you want to ask a question about the upcoming Mint? You can just reply back with like, well, here's all the information on the upcoming Mint. What's your question in regards to? Like, my wallet isn't connecting. It's like Zendesk, but it's inside Discord. And it's geared towards Web3. And so, yeah, it's all about like, how do we help people keep their communities closer and safer in this time and, and keep their Discord safer? So, and all of that is because we've totally rebuilt Vulcan to be able to add all this stuff on top of. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's cool that you can integrate so much and add so much utility from what you've started with. A couple of questions before we hit, go over to Quick Hitters. Quick Hitters is going to be pretty fun, I think, with you. But what about the roadmap going forward? You mentioned a few things you're rolling out. Anything cool with AI? No pressure. But <laughs> I think AI is great. I'm excited to dig into it. There's still work to be done on some of the basics before we get into AI. And there's some AI stuff being built right now that's awesome. There's stuff that's flashy, but not super useful. We still have some sort of basics to build. I still think it's like, we're going to tell you why people are in your server. I do think there's some interesting AI stuff around. Here's a problem that I would love to solve. It's very complicated and it probably will be a while. And it's just the way that the Discord data works is hard. But I don't know if you've seen this in Web3. You've got this community of people who like holders that are super supportive of the project. They love the project. They've been there for a while. It's like a good group and you're part of it and you love this group. Price goes up. Someone buys at a higher price, comes in, they're excited about the project, but for whatever reason, the market goes down, bad news, FUD, whatever, price starts going down. Now, the original people are still way above water. and They're just still happy. But you have a couple people who are upset. And those people sit in Discord and just, it's like spoiled eggs, ruin the bunch or whatever, rotten apple ruins the whole bunch. Like, they just make it a miserable place to be. And so you've got these like OG people who are, how we're there and positive and excited being like, I don't really like sitting in this channel anymore because like this new person just won't stop bitching or like they hold the NFTs. So it's not really fair to boot them. And I've seen this in so many servers. And so you get like the OG people start dropping out and channels and then new people come in and what they're exposed to when they get in there is the negativity and then they leave right away and you just watch this erosion of something that was really great literally because of like a couple people and i think the other thing you see is like people who used to be supportive start getting sour and generally the community managers don't see this until it's too late is what i've noticed 
And so I do think there's a place for AI around sentiment analysis that I think we could do something that would be really, really cool. And I'm saying it's going to come in a long time because it's like you're basically having to like read every message. There's a lot of stuff about that I don't feel comfortable with and I don't really know how we do it in a way that's... But like, it would be really nice to say like, not only are here your biggest holders or here's your longest term holders, but like, here's your biggest fans. And then even more important to be like, hey, one of your biggest fans kind of is unhappy right now, right? Like, I think it would be a pretty amazing thing if we could start helping communities sort of however they would want to solve them, but give them tools to be able to like yeah. see some of the stuff. I think it comes down to sort of making it easier to know your own community better and to respond more proactively to sort of incremental adjustments in the climate in that discord. And you know, talking about discord and where it's going, that's like a whole other conversation I think we could have with all the quasi discord killers trying to come to life. And it's a fascinating dynamic. But you get a chance to see a lot of projects come into the space. And so it would beget me not to ask, like, anything going on that inspires you in Web3 that you've seen recently that not directly related to Premint that you want to mention? I would say that it's more of a theme. I think that, like, oh, you, someone, one of you mentioned this before. It's like, it's during the bear market that the people that are sticking around building build the great stuff. And I think that it's one thing to, like, come in, be, you're saying, what are the new projects? It's one thing to be a new project coming into the bear market and building because you kind of don't have the context of how it used to be. It's a whole different thing to watch the people that have been building continue to build. And so as far as like projects that I'm inspired by, I think that like the names that we all know, well, some of them, I'll say why I said the caveat, but like, I think what Manifold is still doing and the stuff that they're releasing right now is awesome. Like they're really like enabling creators to like look at releasing projects in a different way or releasing an NFT in a different way. You can kind of see like they had a feature and then you see this little meme. This happened a couple months ago. Where it was like, there's open editions with burns, right? We all saw like a million artists do that. And like, of course, it gets a little saturated right away, but it's so cool that they release like a new feature and suddenly we see tons of artists sort of fall, try it out. As so I think that what Manifold is doing right now is great. I think what Artblocks is doing right now is great. They're open sourcing stuff. They're trying to like give the community more tools and it is so hard. And I'll even say OpenSea, like OpenSea gets a lot of crap, but I think that they are pushing, they're continuing to innovate and they're shipping a lot of stuff and they're doing a really good job trying to figure out how they, it's got to be rough to be OpenSea, being like the king and then this sort of the market disappears. So I think that like Super Rare is still pushing out, trying to do one-of-one auctions and show off really great art. I just, I'm really inspired right now currently by the people who like were kind of made kings and now we've all been made peasants again and there's no kings because the market. Yeah, I love that. And Eric Calderon and Richard were both feature speakers at Outer Edge and I run into Richard a lot and he came to our hackathon and actually coached some of the early, the builders and it was a fan moment for many of them. He is a true deep believer in the space and also someone I respect a lot. So those are yeah. some great shout outs that you shared with us and we could keep going here, but last, because you have to get back to building, we have to sort of move on to our quick hitter segment, which is a lot of fun as well. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. 
if you're into those sorts of things. Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> so hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. So quick hitters, this is a fun, quick way to get to know you a little bit better. 10 quick questions. We're looking for just a short single or a few word response, but you can feel free to expand if you get the urge. Are you ready? Sure. All right. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figure. Nice. That's a good one. We know some of the original voices behind that show. <laughs> All right. Second question. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Baseball cards at a flea market. Oh, All very fun things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also indicators of where your life took you. <laughs> yeah. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Oh, wow. I got groceries this morning. Is this an NFT question or is this a general question? Whatever you like. Yeah, whatever you like. If there's something interesting in the grocery list or NFT list, that's fine. I'll give us So yeah, groceries this morning. I bought netting to get rabbits out of our garden off of Amazon recently, recently being a few hours ago. And then my daughter just turned two and we had a donut party for her. So we bought her sprinkled donut pants. So those are three. Okay. You guys stop those Waskowee Webbits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so many vegan gluten-free donut options in my neck of the woods. If they haven't crept down to your neck of the woods yet, they will. What is the most recent thing you sold? I sold a set of plastic shelving on Craigslist two days ago. It was probably the most recent. That's a little bit of spring cleaning there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. I question, why did you sell on Craigslist? Like, do you need the money? Are you hasty? Things go to waste. Yeah, it's... <laughs> And actually, to be accurate, it was Facebook Marketplace, not Craigslist. But <laughs> I hate throwing stuff away. And so yeah. we didn't need it anymore. And I mean, if it's not being sold on Craigslist, it's being given away on next door yep. before it's yeah. getting thrown away. That makes Same. sense. All right. Next question. Number five. What is your most prized possession? Interesting. I don't think I have an answer to that question. I'm not like a car guy. I like collecting stuff, but it's prize to me is like a different level. I'm not trying to like to have an opinion on anyone else, but I would say there's not a lot that I'm just like, oh my God, if this disappeared, I would be so upset. All right. Well, certainly not. I'm very thankful for time and flexibility. I'm in the air that you're breathing. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not missing those plastic shelves. All right. Next question. Number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, or experience that is currently for sale... What would it be? My last answer probably says that I'm not going to be very good with this one. Remember, it's anything. You got a lot of options. One of the biggest pain points in my life right now is we live far away from family and I wish it was easier to get back and forth to see them. And so if there was a way for that to be easier, there's probably several different ways. But with a two-year-old, it's not super easy or pleasant to jump on a plane four or five hours. So if anything I could do to make that an easier thing, so that could translate into buying a, a house next to our house that for family to live in, it could be... Or a teleporter teleporter. That seems like it's cheating because that doesn't really exist. But yes, if we're coming up with new stuff, yes. You got to hire the boring company to create like a underground tunnel tunnel. that just rapid transit to your destination. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Something will come along. All right. Brennan, if you could pass on one of your personality traits, the next generation, what would it be? I think that the personality trait that has served me the most across everything has been patience. 
So my two-year-old daughter, I think if she can grow up to be patient, I think that I'd be very happy with that. Nice one. Yeah, I thought you were going to say curiosity, but I think patience almost precedes curiosity. You have to be patient to be curious. Yeah, I think if you're patient, it gives more room for kindness. It gives more room for creativity. It gives more room for curiosity. If you get impatient, it just sort of blocks you from everything else. So I love it. All right. Well, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? I mean, I do get impatient at times. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah. And then you could always say, what would your wife say? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or your business partner. That's kind of where I first go to. It's like, what would she say? I don't know what she would say. (laughs) All right. We'll say uncertainty. All right. And then the next question is a simple one. Number nine, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Just before this, Adam and I were on a Zoom or Google Meet talking about Vulcan, stuff we're building in Vulcan, some things to fix in Vulcan, how things should work. So it was a product meeting. All righty. And follow up to that. And the last normal question, I've got a bonus here, but what are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm going to have an engineering meeting about how we can make Vulcan more efficient. All right. We got that on the mind. He's taking the whole time to build thing really seriously, Ethan, if you couldn't tell. Indeed. All right. Here's my bonus question. Given that patience is one of your proudest traits, What's something that has tested your patience the most? Well, because I seem to give non-topical answers, I'll try to be topical here. I have found it very hard in the past. I've been in NFTs for the past year, but crypto for the past decade. And I feel like it's really hard to be patient during market fluctuations. And when I really talk about patience, I think of more like a personality trait of patience and being able to be kind of cool, calm and collected during times where other people might be impatient. But like, I'm generally good there. I'm not very good when it comes to, oh my God, like I just need to wait this out. That's a different form of patience. And I would say that it's really, really hard. It's been very hard in crypto where you have a thesis and you say, here's what I believe. And here's how I'm in the past investing. I'm going to invest. And here's what I believe. But then when things are bad, sticking to those beliefs and not just being patient. And so I am historically the worst spy things and sell things at the worst possible time ever. I'm a way better builder than I'm an investor. And so when it comes to investing, I just get freaked out and I sell stuff right at the time where you're supposed to be freaked out. And when people who sell, like that's when everyone's selling, which is why the price is so low, the smart people are buying. So that is probably the biggest thing. So you're human. Okay. That makes sense. I have to say, I consider myself relatively patient as well, but it's those things that you have to be patient over the course of five or 10 years, right? (laughs) Where you're like, oh man. Yeah, yeah, long-term patience. I guess my short-term patience, I'm happy with. My long-term patience, I'm particularly good with. Yeah. All right, well, that concludes Quick Hitters. Thank you so much for participating. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA, Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. 
Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. All right, let's check in on our fun new recurring segment where we own and manage our own Web3 digital basketball team brought to us by Swoops. Swoops is a blockchain-powered basketball simulation game that allows users to own and operate a 100% unique team, enter real money contests with their squads, and win daily cash prizes Lots of fun. Um, we've got a bunch of stuff to get to, like lots of new developments. And the first one I think worth covering here is that we have officially named uh, another one of our players, uh, thanks to the assistance of our uh, wonderful fans out there on the social medias. So let's take a look here at the tweet that went out. Uh, as our fellow Web3 Gaming ballers grind towards the play soup Super Bowl, which actually just happened recently we have to name our defensive star sf swoopster 868 all right and it uh, looks like we had a few names out there uh for the pick-in we had chris polytron james helium or magic eden johnson and chris polytron it is so uh when we look on the back end here which we'll talk about more in a minute uh 868 is still 868 so uh i think it's time to do the honors uh josh can you go ahead and change the name and we'll uh we'll all celebrate our official yeah. naming and yeah I, I love this process by the way ethan i'm basically you know going on to a smart contract and, and making a permanent change to it to enable this to happen so for some pretty cool technology and i'm about to hit confirm and it's been requested so it's actually pending, Ethan. Oh, pending. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so by next show, the official name will will, will right. be revealed, and right. hopefully the folks that swoops right. don't have any objections yeah. to our name. Yeah, luckily it's not sweaty balls, something or other. So we're, I think we're right. good. I think but it's we'll... fairly, you know, <laughs> fairly reasonable name, and and who knows, maybe they'll actually like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder what happens though. I wonder if we've got multiple players with the same names and stuff that that could run into a mess. So we'll see how that develops. Well, we can run into the next our next uh, piece of this. So here's what's going on, guys. The Super Bowl just ended. We certainly did not win. We weren't even in the running. We talked about that previously. Uh, and uh, you have to be a top sixty-four team, and we were probably. I mean, like, we were in the top one hundred, but yeah, out of like two hundred some, yeah. That's my feedback to the to the to the team, you know, um, just elevate the size of the Super Bowl to wherever we fall into it so we can be in that. That would be my That's good idea. That's a good idea. Um, so anyways, I think it's just time to let go of the past and move on to greener pastures. And luckily, we actually speaking of green, we minted mint is green. So that 
goes together. We minted three new players in the recent SSN1 mint. We're super excited to see what we got. A bit of an unboxing, a real real party here in front of our eyes. So let's go ahead and take a look here. Um, we got Swoopster2793. And we got Swoopster2792. And looks like they're all in order, which makes sense. And so 9293 and 94, 2792, 93, and 94. And uh, yeah, so basically uh, what we got here is in addition to our star guard, uh, Tron Stockton, uh, we now have two, three star guards here, 92 and 93. And then in addition, we've got a four star small forward, which this is dope. I mean, Aside from Travis Stockton, all we had was two and one star players before this. So we got the the world is our oyster at this point. Uh, what should we do now, though? We've got more than enough players here. Um, you know, some of them, you know, maybe see a better day one day. I don't know. What do you think? What should we what should we do? No final decisions, but any thoughts, Josh? Yeah, well, I mean, first, I'm sort of tempted to play out um, some games with our, our new guards. Maybe we put both of our new guards in um, and then one at a time with Tron Stockton, do some AB testing, Ethan, you know, we love AB testing. Mm -hmm. And um, because we don't know all their stats yet, we're still waiting to, to learn what their stats are. True. So, um, you know, once we sort of understand better, which players have the strongest stats that complement the rest of the team, I think we do look at sort of um, trading out um, one of these guards even. But but first, you know, obviously, um, sorry to say it, but um, our other guard, um, you know, Soupster987, he's just not going to make the cut. We're, we're going to have to figure out what to do with him um, for sure. But we have these other, you know, a pretty interesting mix of, of folks that can do guard or forward as well. Um, you know, like Soupster868, I think definitely moves to forward from the guard role. Um and and then we have another strong uh, forward in two seven nine four. So at the end of the day, we're looking much better. I'm much more optimistic about our our team. Um, really good decision I think we made to to do some mints and to sort of freshen up the squad. And I think it's a uh, bright bright days ahead. All right. Well, uh, that sounds awesome, man. And you know, we could always. Uh... We'll see about what happens with the training and we got to get our, our, our hands dirty here now that we have these extra players. So th thanks to Swoops for bringing this all to us. We're having a blast. We had a lot of fun with the Mint. We sent out a special newsletter kind of promoting it because we're so excited. We got some great reception and feedback on that as well. Um, so all, all's fun in basketball games online with digital Web3 players. <laughs> so uh that concludes it, our, maybe our more fun than uh watching basketball i would say right now especially for for a guy like me that loves boston <laughs> yes uh well that concludes our swoop segment again swoops is a blockchain power basketball simulation game allows users to own and operate a 100 unique team enter real money contests with their squads win daily cash prizes you know what's the best way to learn more just go over to playswoops.com and and get your Get your hands dirty there. Maybe get some players out there in OpenSea and and uh, and get yourself started. It'd be great. Briefly, before we start to wrap up, we always love to do a little bit of a shout out. Any projects or people, just like one or two that you might like to give a little shout out to. Huge shout out to Adam who built 
Vulcan. I mean, he's sort of an understated person, right? Like I've been building for 50, 20 years. I've had a lot of experience. This is his first real project. And so he sort of built this thing, but no one really knows him. They know Vulcan, but they don't know him. And they're getting, the people get to know him more, but he's one of the most authentic people in NFTs right now. When you sell your company and someone else sort of takes some control over it and makes decisions around it, like a lot of founders are like, I'm out. Cool. I sold this and you can have it. But he's like excited to keep building this out. He's excited about the space. He's just like, it's been a really, really great experience to be working with him. And then sort of in the space in general, I think that like the projects that I'm seeing right now that I'm excited about, like, Memeland has been doing a really, really great job. If you ever want to like look at how some how a community has built a community and then incentivized a community and like had a nice balance in NFTs, you kind of have to have like the balance of hype versus theoretical utility plus mystery plus delivery. Like they're doing a really good job in like delivering enough to keep people interested, keeping as much under the wraps as they can to keep people also interested, but like not delaying things long enough where people get bored. I don't know. I just, they've done such a good job. And I think in this market, it's like, they're really fun to watch because most other projects that are doing amazing work, the floor prices are dropping, the community's negative. Memeland is like, they're killing it right now. So it's a great project to watch. And full transparency, I've known the founder for 10 years. Because of that, I have some Memeland assets, but I'm not saying because of that. I just think they're just, what they're doing is awesome. Sounds great. Well, it makes sense you'd have some. All right. Well, uh, appreciate that. It's always fun to learn about folks that you're connected with, the things that are exciting you. We can wrap up here, start to, to slowly wind down. I mean, next question is an obvious one. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on? Twitter is the easiest place, assuming that Elon doesn't do something where my account shut down for some random reason. I'm at Mulligan on Twitter. We're at Prement and we are at Vulcan off. Attempting to get the unused at Vulcan, but impossible to do that for some reason. But yeah, so that's the best place. We also have some Blue Sky uh, accounts, which like three weeks ago seemed like it was going to be relevant, but I haven't heard people talk about Blue Sky in a few weeks, so I don't really know what's happening there. But yes, Twitter is the place. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for everyone to explore with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends, recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great Web3 content. And thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.